supported by the Village Mercantile in Saranac Lake, established in 2011 with a mission of community-fueled solutions with essentials for home, camp, and gift-giving, villagemerc.com, anything but general. And Moores Hill Lilacs in West Potsdam, open weekends, Mother's Day to Father's Day, with more than 30 varieties available. Details at mooreshilllilacs.com. This is North Country Public Radio. It is seven minutes past eight on this Monday, May 10th. Good morning. I'm Todd Moe. And I'm Monica Sandresky. Coming up, New York is starting to loosen rules that have been obstacles for people trying to readjust to life once they're freed from prison. But first, here's other news from North Country Public Radio. After a year of economic turmoil, some North Country business owners are thinking about ways to step back from day-to-day operations or even sell their businesses. But finding someone to take over the company can be a challenge in rural areas. Ryan Finnerty reports on how one longtime business owner in the Adirondacks is tackling that problem. Standing outside Ward Lumber in the Adirondack town of Jay, you might confuse the company's namesake, Jay Ward, for a small town mayor. Hey. How are you? Good. Good to see you. Nice to see you. Hey there. I think, hey Steve, if I stand here long enough, we are going to get interrupted the whole time because, you know, it's a community that we've been a part of. Ward Lumber is a true local institution. It was started by Jay's great-grandfather in 1890. Jay is the fourth generation of wards to own and operate the business, a job he's held for more than 30 years, until recently, because Jay Ward is no longer the owner of Ward Lumber. This has been a lot of fun for 33 years, but I can't handle another 33 years of that much fun. Now, you're probably thinking we're about to hear from one of Jay's kids. He has two daughters, a fifth generation of wards. But they didn't have an interest in owning and managing Ward Lumber. Mm-hmm. You know, they've seen me work till midnight forever. They have talents and aspirations that take them elsewhere, and, and I've supported that from day one. So who takes over the family business when family isn't an option? In any rural area, there is a limited pool of people that are in your backyard that are going to be able to take over your business. Danny Delaney runs the Business Transition Center for the Adirondack North Country Association. She says there's been an uptick in local business owners making plans to step back. They made it through this last pandemic. It may not have been the first sort of economic hurdle that they've had to face as a small business owner. And they don't want to necessarily keep going and keep going and see what the next hurdle is that they have to face. So Jay Ward had a few options. Number one, he could have sold Ward Lumber to a national chain. But he knows another lumber yard in Vermont where that happened. The culture is just dramatically different. It's no longer about the the customers and the employees in the community. It's about the numbers. Got to have that bottom line. And that's the business model. It's just not what I wanted to see happen here. Option two, liquidation. Close the business and sell off the property and assets. But then there's no jobs. And there's no lumberyard serving Jay, New York and Malone, New York, like we do today. So family isn't an option or closing or selling to a big box retailer. What's left? The answer, Ward Lumber's employees. Jay came to us and offered the idea of an employee-owned cooperative. 
Alex Pond has been working at Ward Lumber's Malone location for almost seven years. He's also a member of the company's new corporate board. Under the co-op arrangement, Ward Lumber's employees bought the company and formed a governance board to oversee operations. Company employees all have the option to become partial owners and elect board members. Walking through the warehouse in Malone, Pond says there was a lot of concern when Jay first started talking about stepping back from Ward Lumber. Concern about layoffs or a loss of the company values. He says a co-op prevents that. Everything still stays the same. We're still taking care of our customers. We're still taking care of the employees. With more and more owners approaching retirement age, many local businesses are now facing the challenge of what to do next. Jobs lost when a business is sold or closed down often never come back. Anka's Danny Delaney says transitioning owners should consider the community benefits of a worker co-op. It's taking all these people who already live in our community, work at that business, who care about it, and it keeps those jobs and people here. With 50 employees, Ward Lumber is now the largest employee-owned cooperative in the North Country. The board's first order of business was to hire a familiar face as the new CEO. I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. But this is a change. This is an ownership change, not a management change. For the first time in 33 years, Jay Ward is now the CEO of Ward Lumber rather than the owner. He'll help the company's new employee owners get their bearings and maintain stability. And maybe someday take a day off. Ryan Finnerty for North Country Public Radio in Jay, New York. SUNY Potsdam students held a march and rally on Friday to spread awareness about sexual assault. The Take Back the Night demonstration is the latest by students who want the university to change how sexual harassment complaints are handled. In April, the administration established a task force to review how the complaints are handled after a student outcry. Celia Clark reports. A group of about 40 students marched through the SUNY Potsdam campus and downtown to Ives Park on Friday evening. Students' chants bounced off the brick walls of campus buildings. Someone stuck their head out of a dorm window to shout support. At the gazebo in Ives Park, the group settled down on the grass. Alfredo Grullon is a fifth-year student at SUNY Potsdam. He says knowing someone who was sexually assaulted changed him. I'm very more cautious of guys that are near women, especially in social settings, like in bars and things like that, and see their interactions. Grullon says more men need to publicly support survivors of sexual violence and harassment. He thinks the university should provide better support for students who've been assaulted. Well, we're seeing a lot of cases where students are reaching out to um, for help and they're being silenced. Um, so I definitely think that there needs to be a change because a student shouldn't be silenced when they reach out for help. The group held a silent vigil for a couple of minutes, and then survivors spoke. The SUNY Potsdam president and the head of the task force have said there will be changes to training and a long-term goal to change the campus culture around sexual assault and harassment. Celia Clark, North Country Public Radio. Keep up with NCPR throughout the day on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and ncpr.org.
You're listening to the 8 o'clock hour here on North Country Public Radio. It's 8.14. Good morning. I'm Todd Moe. And I'm Monica Sandreski. Coming up, music and conversation with Potsdam guitarist Oscar Sarmiento. That's here in just a few minutes on the 8 o'clock hour. Potsdam cellist Beth Robinson. The 8 o'clock hour is supported by the ARC Jefferson St. Lawrence, supporting individuals with disabilities to achieve their goals for more fulfilled lives. The ARCJSLC.org. The ARC Jefferson St. Lawrence. Achieve with us. And the Osceola River Association, monitoring lakes and streams and finding solutions that reduce road salt pollution. Learn more at OsceolaRiver.org. is loosening a couple of rules that have been stumbling blocks for people who have served time in prison. First, incarcerated New Yorkers will now have their voting rights restored upon release. Previously, people released from prison had to fill out voter registration and certification forms with their parole officer, and that took months to complete. Under the new law signed last week, released prisoners on parole will immediately have their voting rights restored. According to the Associated Press, this new law strengthens an executive order Governor Cuomo issued in 2018. It also restricts successors of the governor's office from denying voting rights to parolees. And here's that other potential rule reform. The New York State Senate is considering a measure that would seal conviction records for up to 2 million New Yorkers who have committed serious crimes and served time in prison for them. Senators heard from people who are formerly imprisoned or on probation who said the barriers to housing and employment they encounter because of their convictions have led to a form of perpetual punishment. From Albany, Karen DeWitt reports. Michael Smith was released from prison in 2004, and though he says he faced obstacles, he got a job at a high school where he counseled young people on how to make good choices and stay out of trouble. Smith, who testified at the hearing, says everyone at the school knew about his past. But when a new requirement that employees be fingerprinted was put into place in 2017, he was told that he was no longer eligible to work in a school and he had to leave the job. All they saw was my record at that moment. At that very moment, I realized that I was serving a life sentence. I was given a silent life sentence of perpetual punishment. Melinda Agnew was convicted 22 years ago of aggravated assault with a weapon, a misdemeanor. She says she served her sentence, spent time in a halfway house where she received counseling and went on to get her bachelor's degree and become a mother. She says she's now working toward a master's degree, but she struggled to find employment. I've been denied a lot of jobs because of my criminal background. Even I've been denied a lot of housing um, throughout the years because of my criminal background. Senate sponsor Zelnor Myrie says Smith, Agnew, and others deserve a second chance at employment and housing. He says there are also economic losses that affect black and brown communities where residents have been disproportionately incarcerated. We know that individuals with convictions lose hundreds of thousands of dollars throughout their lifetime 
uh, simply because they are denied on their conviction record. Uh, This is about a recovery for everybody here in the state of New York. Uh, We leave billions of dollars on the table because we shut people out of our economy. The bill would establish a two-step process of first automatically sealing and later automatically expunging conviction records once a person has served their sentence. The process is similar to provisions in the recently passed law legalizing marijuana in New York, where some with past convictions for cannabis sale or possession will see their records erased. Albany County District Attorney David Soares testified along with a panel of other DAs. He says instead of basing the expungement provision on the marijuana law, he'd rather see it modeled after the 2017 Raise the Age law, which erased some criminal records of 16- and 17-year-olds convicted of crimes. Soares says some offenses are just too serious to be automatically expunged. Violent criminals, sex offenders are, are people that I don't believe should qualify for expungement or sealing. However, I do believe that we need to open the opportunity more for individuals who are denied simply because of the number of offenses that they've committed. Soar says some with multiple convictions were addicted to drugs, and when they recovered, their criminal offenses ended. Other DAs say crimes including repeated domestic violence or crimes against children or vulnerable adults should also be ineligible for automatic expungement. Supporters say they hope they can complete work on the legislation before the session ends in June. Opponents include some Republicans in the legislature. In a statement, Senate Minority Leader Rob Ort says without changes, the legislation would pose a serious threat to public safety and contribute to a growing crime rate in New York over the past two years. In Albany, I'm Karen DeWitt. And later this morning, we'll take a look at the impact of solitary confinement. Ian Emanuel spent 18 years in a windowless 7 by 10 foot room for a crime he committed in 7th grade. Now he's released and telling his story. Join the conversation on uh, with him on more uh, more issues impacting the prison system. That's between 10 and 11 o'clock on On Point right here on NCPR. New York State just added more public land around a popular hiking area in the southern Adirondacks. Governor Cuomo announced last week the state bought 1,200 acres just north of Crane Mountain in Warren County. The parcel includes Huckleberry Mountain and the Wilcox Lake Wild Forest. The state used the Environmental Protection Fund to buy the property from the Open Space Institute for nearly $800,000. Student engineers from Clarkson University are designing a bridge for the Fort de la Presentation site in Ogdensburg. According to North Country Now, their plan is to build a pedestrian bridge that spans the water where the Oswegatchie River flows into the St. Lawrence to give future visitors access to the island. The student workers on the project are still brainstorming ideas about the bridge's infrastructure and lifespan. The Ford Association currently owns the property and is hoping the construction of the bridge will encourage future tourism to this historical site. The fort was a key site for the French and Iroquois during the French and Indian War against Great Britain in the late 1700s.
You're listening to the 8 o'clock hour right here on North Country Public Radio. Good morning. I'm Todd Moe. And I'm Monica Sandreski. In just a minute, a Potsdam musician pays tribute to a lost friend. After that, stick around for Bird Note. Bird songs that are downright comical. But first, we'll take a quick look at the weather. Right now, it's 46 degrees in Watertown, 48 degrees in Canton and in Scroon Lake, 46 degrees in Chattagay and in Parrishville. Clouds and rain in the forecast today with highs in the 50s, but skies should be brightening up tomorrow for the next several days with highs in the 50s and even into the 60s as we head into Thursday. Well, the North Country is rich in musical talent, but with venues still largely closed and concerts mostly virtual until the pandemic is over, it's been difficult for musicians to get their work to an audience. So last year, NCPR began featuring music by regional artists during our news programs. And guitarist Oscar Sarmiento from Potsdam recorded some tracks for us recently. And he told NCPR's Doyle Dean about the origin of one of those songs, a tribute to his friend's son, who was killed in 2006. There was this, uh, this boy here, Kwasi. Both his parents were from Ghana, and, and his dad was teaching at my college. And Kwasi was just a beautiful boy playing soccer all the time. And when they moved away, he died in a you know, freak accident as he was uh, driving his bike. So that was very painful. And I thought of a lot of, you know, the family. I was friends with his dad. So I wrote a poem, actually, I wrote a poem. But I don't like the poem I wrote. And then I was, I was thinking maybe I should, you know, work on my guitar. And I came up with that piece. And I, I'm happy with it. So this is called uh, Angels of Ghana. I just couldn't believe that a person as beautiful as Kwasi, who was an athlete, who was uh, this beautiful spirit that I would see playing soccer very often, along with my son. Uh, I, I just couldn't believe that he would get in, a, in an accident and, and die. When I found out, I felt the impact. And I knew that my son also was you know, feeling devastated. So it was a way to pay homage to that spirit, I would say, that I thought, well, you know, it was a spirit of resilience and talent and beauty. So the, the composition had to be created. Yeah. What do we play next? Okay. Let's play a tango. Uh, so this is tango said. Um, it's a play on the Spanish phrase uh, or sentence, I'm thirsty. Thank you. 
I always or frequently think that I have a different identity when I play my guitar at home than when at times I play with people, but I've been able to bring what I do at home, I think, more to, my, to our performances. The fact that I can at times feel that I am fully expressing myself, that I can be really playful with the instrument. And so when that happens, when I feel that I, I am, you know, in the middle of the storm, if you will, I feel fully uh, myself. been playing for several years with the trio. The name of the trio is uh, Caramelo. I'm going to wax a bit uh, religious here, but it's really a fusion of emotions through the music. And that I don't think I can get a- anywhere else. But when we come together as a trio, it's just something emotionally very rewarding. So I have felt it. And that's what uh, kept me always coming back to play with the trio. We know each other. And once you get to know each other musically, there's a spark that always, you know, you, you produce together. That, that's so, so beautiful. Potsdam guitarist Oscar Sarmiento spoke with Doyle Dean as part of our Underscore project. And you can hear more music and find information about the regional musicians featured on NCPR at ncpr.org slash underscore. It's uh, 829 and coming up in a minute, we're off to Bird Note and then Monica and I will check uh, some community calendar events and then there's more of Morning Edition. Support for NCPR comes from today's day sponsors, Tim and Jill Savage, who encourage people to support the Orchestra of Northern New York by registering today for its fourth annual Golf Classic on Saturday, June 19th. More information is at onny.org. And the 8 o'clock hour is supported by Thomas J. Lombard P.E. Keysville, providing engineering, planning, and environmental consulting services to northern New York and Vermont, 518-834-7729. And by Adirondack Health in Saranac Lake, recently designated a comprehensive joint replacement center. Learn more at adirondackhealth.org. is bird note some bird songs leave us in admiration of their beauty 
some with a sense of wonder at their complexity, and others are downright comical. This male willow ptarmigan sounds like he might be laughing, or at least doing his best to make others laugh. As a maker of silly sounds, he beats the three stooges hands down. For the male ptarmigan, though, these sounds are no laughing matter. Where it nests in the low, dense, shrubby willow tundra of Alaska and Canada, the willow ptarmigan crows to attract females and show other males he's in charge of his stretch of tundra. This stocky northern relative of grouse and chickens is a bright rusty brown above with a white belly and wings. The hen ptarmigan is so well camouflaged in brown tones you might be looking right at her and never know it. But the male is another story. Picture those white wings propelling that chunky, rusty body in a long arc over the tundra as he chuckles his way across the tops of the willows. <laughs> Sounds of the birds featured on Bird Note come from the Macaulay Library at the Cornell Lab of Ornithology. Coming up on 8.32, this is the 8 o'clock hour here on North Country Public Radio, supported by Mark Granger and Granger Legal Consulting, Scroon Lake, providing legal services to businesses in the North Country since 1988. 518 or mgranger at mgrangerlaw.com. And by Merrill L. Thomas, Inc., a real estate and vacation rental firm specializing in waterfront and great camp properties in the Olympic region of Lake Placid since 1943. More information at adirondackestates.com. I'm Todd Moe. Happy Monday. And I'm Monica Sandresky. <laughs> we want to let you know about a few of the events going on in the area. On Thursdays throughout the month of May, the Lake George Arts Project will be screening work from 2021 filmmakers and uh, talking about their process, the pandemic challenges they faced, and their inspiration. You can find out more about that, uh, those film conversations and the film screenings at lakegeorgearts.org. This sounds like a lot of fun. If you are in the city of Ogdensburg, you're invited to uh, participate in the annual citywide garage sales coming up on Friday, May 28th, and then the weekend of the 29th and 30th. Uh, these have been attracting uh, customers from all over St. Lawrence County, even as far away as Ottawa, although I guess with the, the border closed this time, uh, maybe just people here in the North Country. But in any case, you, there's still time for you to sign up, submit your info for the directory by Wednesday, May 19th at 4. Then they're going to print this directory, put it on online and so on. Uh, if you want more information about the citywide garage sales in Ogdensburg on the, on the weekend of the 28th, I think that's Memorial Day weekend, right? Yeah, www ogdensburgny.com. Also, Bike ADK is doing a cool fundraiser right now called ADK Unite. Throughout the month of May, you can register with them to ride, run, or walk throughout the North Country, and all the proceeds will go to food banks throughout the North Country. You can find out more at bikeadirondacks.com. We'll be hearing from Doug Haney with Bike ADK tomorrow. I'm Monica Sandreski. I'm Todd Moe. Thanks for listening.